0: Blog Talk Radio. the go for it, I am your host, Paul Gannon, for the next two hours, we will be talking sports and having fun doing it, I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs, and of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion, if you have an opinion number to call, 646-727-3070, that's 646-727-3070, you can listen to the show at com slash pgant, that's com slash pgant, Get some messages to the show on Twitter at GoForAGant. G O F O R I T G A N T. So hit us up there on Twitter at GoForAGant. We're gonna talk sports. We're gonna have fun doing it. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by Hall of Famer Willie Ropen. Uh Willie, gonna get his take on what he saw today from Roger Goodell during that meeting. During that uh press conference, excuse me. And also he his take on this New Orleans Saints, 0-2 New Orleans Saints, beaten by Cleveland in Cleveland last week, beaten by Atlanta and Atlanta two weeks ago. Saints are 0-2. I had the Saints win going to the Super Bowl. So I, I think when it's all said and done, the Saints will get this thing right. But as of right now, the Saints are an 0-2 football team. And so we're going to – Willie actually sent me a text. He was actually at the Saints' practice today. So, um, you know, he might have some insight on how that team is right now. Um, What's the mindset of that team uh, moving forward as their own, too? I mean, you know, it's tough, you know, to the National Football League, but they can come back. They got Minnesota coming to the Dome, and that, obviously that's a get-right type of football game, I believe, for the New Orleans Saints. I mean, they're they're reverting back to their old ways, and 32nd against the pass. 32nd against the pass. So that's, that's the old Saints. That That's the old Saints, the Saints from two years ago when that defense was putrid. But anyway, we're going to talk to Willie about that. Also, relationship ex- experts, excuse me, you know, we're we're going to be joined by one who's going to tell us what you can do to get your girl to watch football with you. Marnie Kenris will be joining us. She's going to tell us what you can do to get your girl to watch football with you. And that's a problem for a lot of men in and around the country. I mean, it, it's difficult sometimes to get your your significant other, to watch football with you. But I can't, we we got to go right down to it. What we saw today, press conference today, Roger Cadell, finally heard from the commissioner. He was MIA. He was gone. We didn't hear from him. We had Adrian Peterson's issues. We didn't hear from the commissioner. Greg Hardy's issues. We didn't hear from the commissioner. He's been gone. Jonathan Dwyer's issue. We didn't hear from the commissioner. Now, we have the commissioner, and he spoke today, and if you thought you were going to get something, you were disappointed. He didn't say much, if not all. I mean, he does. He did, excuse me, what everybody does when they have a crisis. We're going to get a committee to to look at it. We made a mistake. We're going to get the committee to look at it. We're going we're forming this committee and that committee to look at how we do this or that. I mean, it, it, it's typical for businesses to do those type of things, to form committees and say, we're going to form this committee to see where it went wrong. We're going to form this committee to see how we can do better. We're going to form committees after committees after committees. And it's almost like it's it's a, it's a it's a it's an escape route, if you will. It's a way just to get out of it. Let's just say we're going to form committees. We made some mistakes, as he said. We're going to form committees, and hopefully these committees will help us do things better moving forward, so on and so forth. I mean, typical corporate BS in a lot of ways. It's it's, it's no different to what you hear and from any business. If you have an issue, form a committee. You want to do this? Form a committee. Form a committee is is, is the go-to word. Is the go-to phrase when when you're in trouble. When your business is in trouble, form a committee. You know, let's just form a committee and see what we can do to 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 make this better. Form a committee. Form a committee. Let's see what we can do. I mean, that's that's what businesses do. And that's what the NFL is doing. They're forming a committee. Let's see if we can form a committee to get this right. I mean, come on. <laughs> come on. But anyway, bottom line is this. Roger Goodell pretty much said nothing today. Um, he still really couldn't explain how, you know, as, as the reporter from TMZ pointed out, you know, all they did was made a phone call and they got that video. All they did. And, and the NFL ha- has billions upon billions of dollars. They have, you know, uh, former uh, law enforcement people working for them. They have all these things on their side. They have all these resources, and they still could not investigate this right. I mean, at the end of the day, and I'm not calling for Roger Goodell's job. I heard Teddy Bruski's called for Roger Goodell's job. I'm not calling for that. But I'm calling for Roger Goodell just to step away, take a leave of abs- absence suspend himself indefinitely like he did Ray Rice. But just, just take a leave of absence. Go go on the exempt list, if you will, like Adrian Peterson, Greg Hardy. Just, you get paid still. Just go away for now. Because I think the public is really not buying what the NFL is selling. The public is not buying it. I mean, you could see how things were bungled. I mean, Adrian Peterson, hey, I'm one of these guys, and I can understand from a league's perspective, but I'm one of these guys – Hey, people should still play until due process plays out Because a lot of times in a criminal complaint You only hear one side of the story When you go to trial, you hear all sides of the story So everything is not black and white There's a lot of grace sometimes there's a lot of stories Sometimes people are not guilty So, I mean, I'm, and I understand it from, from the NFL's perspective You you got, and this is the case of social media This is the case of, of, of you know, instant news 24-hour news cycle, these things just coming out quickly and quickly and you're hearing opinions from places that you never heard opinions before. And those opinions have a little bit more of a voice than it once did many years ago before. I mean, Roger Cadell took over in 2007. It's 2014, only seven years ago. And you see how much social media has changed the way we view sports and it's changed the way sports teams deal with certain situations. It changes the way. I'm trying to fight through it. I'm playing hurt today, baby. I'm playing hurt today. Got a little cold. Got some chills going on. I'm playing hurt trying to get this thing done. But anyway, I I just look at what I saw from Commissioner Goodell today, and I didn't really get anything from it. I I didn't get anything from it. There was really – I mean, he didn't break anything down. It was was still just – all general rhetoric. It, it, it was still just, you know, this, that, and the third. Committees, reforming committees to to fix these things. We're doing this and that and the third. And I think just judging by the players' reactions on Twitter, that they're not buying it. And and, and I and I think you know Roger Goodell made mistakes. Roger Goodell made some mistakes here, big time mistakes. It's a mistake if you have never seen that video. That's a big mistake. You cannot, as a commissioner of a league, not look at that video. You have resources to go, various places to get these videos. And Roger Goodell said today, well, we wanted to go through the the legal ways, the legal channels to get a hold of these videos. Well, guess what? Oh, TMZ just picked up the phone, made a phone call, and stuff started happening. They got a video. They got a video. You could have done that. And if you didn't see the video, well, you can read a police report. And a police report details exactly what happened. Heck, according to some reports from ESPN today, well, uh, the Ravens were briefed on how bad the video actually looked. So all you had to do was ask the Ravens. You could have found the video if you wanted to find the video. Now, I understand at the time, I, I think, Janae Rice being in the meeting, Janae Rice marrying Ray Rice, I, I think that helped Ray Rice in a lot of ways. That helped this case big time because it, it, you know, it showed that they have moved on. And I say this all the time. When this happened in February, I was the first one when I when I when I, when I jumped on these airwaves. Airwaves. I said, you know what? When it's all said and done, these two are going to get together. They're going to talk about we made mistakes, blah blah blah, and they're going to. Least give the perception they're going to live happily ever after. That's what was going to happen. It happened. And I said at the time, Ray Rice wasn't going to jail. Ray Rice wasn't going anywhere. Ray Rice wasn't going anywhere. Bottom line, he he wasn't going anywhere. And so you you just look at it and, you know, I'm not, again, I'm not calling for, for, for Roger Goodell to get fired, but, Teddy Bridge, I mean, just look, look. I'm looking at these players' reactions. Let, let me read some of them on Twitter. Um, you know, let's look at Ryan Grant. Anyone who thinks this press conference was going to be productive, shame on you. Laugh out loud. La. Tory Smith. What Rodgers just said is the exact thing that players say when they make a mistake and plead their case. Miles White of the Green Bay Packers. So, is Rodgers going to resign or no? If not, that we don't got anything to talk about, and I'm just I'm going to continue to read, but I've stopped it right there, and that shows you the players are not big fans of Commissioner Goodell. The players are are, are not, and you know you're not really getting much support from Roger Goodell. No, Michael Vick came out in support of Roger Goodell, but you know the, you, you see in a lot of these tweets. Darius Butler of the Colts, this press conference is pointless. Pointless. I must concur. It was pointless. We didn't learn anything new. You forming committees. Great. That's not an answer to why you bungled this investigation. And I know he can lean on, well, this is an appeal process process right now, so we can't say too much. Well, I get that. But you know that the people are looking for answers. You know that the people are, are none too happy with what's going on. Your sponsors now are talking about what's going on. I mean, the reality of it is this, and and at the time – you know, not having access to that in elevator video, it was my thought, it was my belief that the two game suspension was okay, based off uh, Ray Rice and, and and Janae getting married, and and based off of them working it out and them moving on. So when I when when I saw that, it was in my it was in it, it was my belief that at that point, okay, I can understand a two game suspension. Ray Rice seems contrite. Uh, his wife has accepted his apology, they're married, they moved on. But then I see the in-elevator video. And, and and as soon as that gets out, and, and there's a story again on ESPN.com talking about the, you know, the, the Ravens, the organization, according to reports, knew that if this got out, this would be a PR nightmare, a PR disaster. And lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. As soon as this got out, as soon as this got out, this was a mess. The NFL was was I mean Ray Rice was about to get off his suspension. It was a mess. It was an absolute mess. As soon as this got out, it was a mess. But who's who? I mean, the NFL has to know in 2014, and be clear, TMZ TMZ is is, is legitimate. You know they're 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 a player, and sports journalism. You may not like their tactics. You may not like the way they go about some things, but they are legit players in this and in, in sports media. They're legit, man, and, and 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 they're coming, and and they're 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 breaking stories here, breaking stories there. This was a big thing they broke. We didn't see this in elevator video, and a lot of people were waiting for this in elevator video for to make a decision about this whole Ray Rice thing. I mean, you know, I was one of the guys that maybe thought. We don't know what transpired in that uh, elevator. We don't know. We don't know what transpired. But the moment, the moment I saw what transpired in that elevator, it's the moment that I realized that just that the league got it wrong. And my belief of a two-game suspension was wrong as well. But if if the league would have done his due diligence, and I can't believe it didn't, I don't. I think they did. I don't believe them. I can't believe them. But let's just go with the premise that they didn't do their due diligence. If the league didn't do their due diligence, you could argue on some level that's enough to get Roger Goodell fired. Because this is a big story. This is a big story, and everything moving forward now, Adrian Peterson. You know the way he's being treated, and I'm not saying what the way he's being treated. I I I do think. You know, due process should, should play out, but, you know, I can understand it from, you, you got that that public backlash, and I can understand the, the decision of the NFL to do what they did. I understand it. I get it. I don't knock them for it. I get it. I don't think it's right, because I think we should let things play out and let the due process play out, but I get it. I understand it. And I'm not so sure if I was the commissioner of the NFL or part of the NFL, I wouldn't do the same thing. But the NFL looked like a rudderless ship. They They just had... They, they had no direction. The NFL was just wayward, and 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 you know these owners. The commissioner works for the owners. The commissioner is out in the forefront for the owners. He's the spokesperson for the owners. But you have owners in in, in Minnesota, and and you know Adrian Peterson. They they decided on Monday he's activated. He's going to play on Sunday. A couple of days later he's deactivated. He's not playing. He's on the commissioner exempt list. He's going to get paid, but now he's got to work out these legal issues. And you could argue, again, and and Greg Hardy, same deal. And he was convicted by a judge, but I will say this. I will say this. There is, he he is afforded in the state of North Carolina, he is afforded an opportunity of a jury trial. So be as it may, and again, don't get me wrong, I get why the NFL did it. I'm not mad at the NFL for doing what they're doing, and I'm not saying I wouldn't do the same thing. I'm not saying I wouldn't. I get it. I don't think it's fair, but I get it. You got to protect your business. You you got to protect it. You got to do what you got to do to protect your business. And a part of protecting your business is making your sponsors happy. But it it almost seems like the sponsors now are running the NFL. It almost seems like Anheuser Busch is running the NFL to Radisson. Seems like they're running the NFL right now. It almost seems that way because they're. Ideas, their opinions, their beliefs are really deciding whether or not Adrian Peterson should, should play, whether or not Greg Hardy should play, Jonathan Dwyer as well. And, again, I'm not defending none of these actions. If, if they did what they did, or if they did whatever what they did was true, then by all means necessary, they should get what they deserved coming to them. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. I mean, you know, an NFL football player, and Greg Hardy's I mean You are you're, you know 260, 270 pound man A beast You know You know Beating on a woman Allegedly I'm going to say allegedly Because he still has to have his Jewelry, jewelry trial I understand he was convicted I'm going to say allegedly right now Because he still Is afforded the right Of a jury trial But him Beating up on his, his Allegedly beating up on his girlfriend And and you know Jonathan Dwyer Headbutting his girlfriend Allegedly uh, Because She wouldn't give him any sex Allegedly You know Um I mean, Adrian Peterson, I'm all for disciplining your children. You should discipline your children. But again, you know, I'm not using switches, but I do discipline. I do spank. I do do it. It happened to me. But I'm not beating with a belt a four-year-old. I'm not beating with a belt a switch. I mean, I'm not beating a four-year-old with a switch. I'm not doing that. I'm not. And so Adrian Peterson that's just common sense. That's just common sense as a parent. You know, when, when you see those types of things, you feel sorry for the guy because you believe, this guy needs some training. He needs some parental training. I mean, you, you, you got to know that you can't switch up a, a four-year-old. And you use a switch against a four-year-old, that skin isn't tough. That's going to leave welts and marks all over. The cardinal rule is, cardinal, I mean, the, the, the thing is, you don't, know, if you're going to spank, you don't leave a mark. And that's what he did. But he left for many marks. It was a, it was excessive. His heart could be in the right place, but it was excessive. You can't beat a four-year-old with a switch. You can't do it. You can't beat a four-year-old with a switch. You can't do it. And it's just, I I can't defend it on any level but we'll see what happens but we, we have due process and this is america and and so therefore the due process well, let me go back to some of the players reaction i went off on a little tangent there but let's go back to all the uh, players reaction beanie wells a lot of we got it wrong we didn't do this or that if you're the judge and the juror it's i the best ability is accountability it's always been an issue for me i mean one man who has all this power and that's a byproduct of the Players Association giving him that power. There's no way that the commissioner should have to be judge, jury, and executioner in terms of deciding the punishment of your players. That should be – I mean, that's no, that shouldn't happen. That shouldn't be. How did you let that by? How did you let that get by? And NFL – I've always had issue with the NFLPA and and some of the things they've done over the years. And You know, just you know, not getting these guys guaranteed deals. I mean, this is football's a brutal and vicious sport. Baseball guys are getting paid. $200-plus hundred plus million contracts. Basketball guys are getting paid. I mean, we talked about it a few weeks ago. Jody Meeks, I believe about three years, what, $19 million or something like that. About $6 million. Well, you look at Jimmy Graham, best tight end in football, which is the most popular sport in this in this country. Well, guess what? $21 million in guarantees. Well, Jody Meeks got like $19 million in guarantees. And Jody Meeks. In comparison to Jimmy Graham, and they're standing in their in their leagues, not even close. Jordan Hill, two years, eighteen million. Jimmy Graham, best tight end in the league, twenty one million dollars in guarantees. Guess what? That's ridiculous. But anyway, guaranteed deals. I I don't know how you cannot fight for something like that if you're an NFLPA. I I just don't get it. But anyway, let's go back to some more player reaction. Sidney Rice. I know some people that got it wrong and don't have a job anymore. Does this mean it's okay to get it wrong? You gain zero yards on an incomplete pass. Boo this man, Terrell Thomas. Goodell, I can say I'm sorry I messed up. Players have go through due process. Hmm. 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 The the, the league, the NFL league, the the National National Football League, excuse me, has been looking so ridiculous. Over over these past few weeks, it's 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 absolutely ridiculous they look, and it's you know it's 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 inexplicable, it's unacceptable that the spokesperson for your league has dropped the ball to this degree. But the reality is, here's the reality of it: Does the NFL really care about domestic violence? Probably not. Does the NFL really care? Uh, about any any of these social issues, there you know, child abuse, domestic violence. Do you think they really care about that? No, probably not. <clears throat> Do they get the perception that they care? Sure, perception is reality. So, I, I, the the point I'm trying to make, and the point I'm trying to make is, you know, corporations don't care until they have to care, and and so the league didn't care about domestic violence until it had to care, until society on some level. Sponsors on some level started making them and holding them accountable for their actions. Started making them accountable for, you know, the things that they do. We're starting to make them accountable. And so in in doing that and making people accountable, you know, making the league accountable, obviously the league wasn't prepared for it. And obviously, based off this article on ESPN.com, it, it seemed like the Ravens and the, and the NFL did whatever it could to, to try to get this story to go away. And TMZ swooped in, and you know, and made a phone call, basically, as they said, made a phone call, and the rest is history. The rest is history. They made a phone call, and that phone call netted them the victory. Not the victory, the, the the video, and in some respect, the victory because TMZ, you know, a lot of people, it looks good for them, so they got a victory in this. on some, on some level, nobody wins, but they got a victory. They got a victory. But anyway, you just look at this whole situation. You look at Commissioner Goodell, and he, the players are not in support of this guy. I think it's, I think it's, you could just look at tweets and and, and see, you know, he came in. On a white horse, if you will, you know I'm going to, you know, be the disciplinarian guy. I'm going to clean up this league. I'm going to clean up discipline in this league. I step on the scene. I'm cleaning up discipline. Adam Pacman Jones, you're you're gone for a whole season. You're not even convicted yet. Chris Henry, you're gone. You know, big Ben Roethlisberger, you're gone. You know, Michael Vick, and Michael Vick is understandable, but still. I mean, all these things are understandable. Everybody I name is understandable. And I'm not against it because we do have to to hold guys accountable for their personal, for their behaviors. But at the same time, are we doing enough to help these guys? Are we putting these guys in position to succeed? Are you giving guys who some come from you know impoverished backgrounds and they, they, they get a bunch of money? And now their life is turned upside down, and you know they're 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 basically overnight millionaires. They're, they hit the lottery, and so you know money, unfortunately, doesn't make people better. Money doesn't make people better, unfortunately. More often than not, money makes you worse. Money makes makes you worse, and so these guys get a boatload of money. You know, with money comes power, or the belief of power, and then with that money comes. The idea that with power and with that money, the idea that you can do, you know, some things that the average man can't do. And on some level, there's a level of truth to it. There are some things that the, that they can do that the average man can't do. They can't get the type, I can't get the type of woman or women that an NFL player can get. I can't do it. They, they, they you know, they can get this one and that one. The white one, the black one. I mean, they can get them all. I can't. An average Joe, like myself, can't. They can't. You know, so the rules are different for them. The rules are different. A a dime to me, a ten, you know, the most beautiful woman in the world to me could be on the NFL, you know, everyday life for an NFL guy. You know, the the daily life of an NFL guy. Just another day in the life of an NFL guy. I mean, that's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. And, And so, you know, sometimes with that, you make mistakes and and with that you know you you don't know how to handle it and, and you do things that you know you're that are regrettable you do things because on some level there is a belief that you're above the law you do things you you have you you, you wield your power sometimes and when you you know when, when you commit certain crimes against women because you know who were anybody to to stop who was anybody to judge who was anybody to talk and tell you what to do? No one, because you have that power. You 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 play by different rules, on some level. In a lot of ways, the rules ultimately even up. I mean, there there are so many different rules. There are only so many different rules in the world. But at some point, you got you know rules are rules, and and you got to follow on some level. I mean, it caught up to Ray Rice. Caught up, and here's the thing, with Ray Rice. Be clear about something. This guy is a first time offender. It's not like he's a a, a you know big time criminal. It's not like this guy's had a bunch of different offenses. It's not like that. So, I mean, you know, I look at that, and, again, I I will never defend the actions of Ray Rice in that elevator. I mean, he's, you know, he's a big guy. If you see his muscle, he flex. He's a big guy. And, you know, he's punching a female. Well, guess what? There's going to be a huge, huge ripple effect of him punching her. You know, she's, she's going to fall, and she's going to fall hard, just like she did. Jonathan Dwyer, his situation, court allegations, This happened in July, spanned two days. You know, an incident with his wife, with his wife, and ultimately, you know, police were called, and you know, he hid, he hid in the bathroom, and she, you know, basically, you know, basically, said that he wasn't there, no one was there, and she got into an argument on the phone with somebody, and you know, the rest was history, and that was done. But you know, he allegedly after she bit his lip, because he undressed her and and wanted to have some sex with her, allegedly, she bit his lip, he punched her, excuse me, headbutted her, and, you know, did some things to her nose. A fracture to the nasal bone. And then, the next day, punched her in the left side of the face, according to reports. Allegedly. And that was on July 22nd. So this happened a few months ago. But now, you know, she's Pursuing it, and and Jonathan Dwyer now is, is going to have to sit out, according to his coach Bruce Arians, until this situation is adjudicated. So, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a tough situation, tough time for the NFL. It's a tough time for the NFL, but it all, in a lot of ways, may have been averted or avoided if they would have did the right thing with the Ray Rice situation. All these things are a byproduct of that video surfacing and the NFL not knowing about that video. And the NFL, you know, saying they didn't see it and only giving Ray Rice a two-game suspension. This is the backlash of Ray Rice. This is the NFL dropping the ball on Ray Rice, and because they dropped the ball on Ray Rice, now they're paying for it. They're paying for it. And, And, you know, it's a tough situation. It's a tough situation for the league. But the league... Don't didn't care until they had to care. They didn't care until they had to care, and now they have they have to care. And now Adrian Peterson can't play, Greg Hardy can't play, and Jonathan Dwyer can't play. Some say it's good. Some say due process should be had, and we should wait till that's done. But bottom line is they're not playing, and you just look at a guy like Jameis Winston and. You know, some of the things he's doing, he's suspended for the first half of the game. But, you know, just the alleged sexual assault and just some of the things, you know, the incident with that, uh, the incident at the supermarket with the crabs and everything. You know, just all those things. And just based off of now, you're just looking at this precedent. Guys, if getting accused, you know, after just an accusation and, and, you know, after charges are, well, pretty much after charges are filed, guys are now being forced on, you know, Ray McDonald at this point is not, but, you know, just looking at the other cases, guys are being forced to sit out. And he's just this is just based on charges, not a conviction. Based on charges and not a conviction. So it's 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 an interesting thing and you know, just the whole situation with the Saints and you know, the whole Bounty Gate situation, in a lot of ways he messed that up too. He he messed that up too and you remember, you know, the Anthony Hargrove situation and he put that video out there about Hargrove talking about the money and everything after a hit or whatnot, it turns out it wasn't even Hargrove's voice. And you know, so they bottle, you know, messed that situation. You know, Jonathan Vilma and his suspension, Hargrove, all those guys, they messed that situation up and pretty much ruined the Saints season. Ruined the 2012 Saints. Ruined it. I mean, that season was dead before it started. Ruined it. Absolutely ruined that season. And it it was the NFL basically being reactive, you know, with the concussion lawsuit looming at the time. The NFL just being reactive. They're being reactive. These whole situations now are being, this is just raw reactive. And that's all it would ever have been. That's all it ever could be, pretty much, I think, from the NFL's perspective, just reactive. Because the NFL doesn't really care about some of the things that they say they care about. And I get it. That's fine. It's big business. Can't believe everything big business talks about. I mean, this is the NFL now. Roger Goodell talking about, you know, he's going to have FBI Director Robert Mueller, former FBI Director Robert Mueller, conduct an investigation on how the league handled the Rice case. Well, there's a little bit of conflict of interest. I would think Mueller is a partner in Wilmer Hell who has connections to the NFL. So I mean, you know, the perception is reality, and how things are perceived is how people believe. And so, being that perception is reality, the perception out there could be that this, this, uh, this situation, this is a sham. This, uh, this investigation is a sham. What's it going to find out? And, and Roger Goodell steadfastly denies. That he's ever seen the video until TMZ released it, he 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 denies it. But the NFL knew that the video was bad. The NFL saw in the police report that things transpired that you know of a very physical nature. The NFL knew. They knew. I don't believe it. I cannot believe it. I cannot believe it. And, you know, Roger Goodell talked about, in the Saints scandal, ignorance. Talked about ignorance. How it's not an excuse. Well, ignorance to this video, it's not an excuse, Roger. So, I just think there's a big backlash against Goodell by the players. And, I don't know. He said ignorance is not a suitable defense. That's what he told the Saints. Well, Roger... It's funny, and it's almost like, be careful the words that you say, because some of the words that you say may come back to bite you in the butt. The way you judge is the way. The way you judge others is the way others will judge you. So, you know, the way, I, you know, it's just a backlash because Goodell came in on some level, and came in here like a red, uh, a white knight, uh, you know, white on, uh, a man on a white horse, coming in and saying, you know what, I'm, I'm about justice. I'm about, you know, holding guys accountable, holding guys accountable. Well, you haven't held yourself accountable. No one's holding him accountable. Hasn't even been suspended. I mean, something should happen. I think he should step away, and I think the owners would be. I think it would be a good situation for the owners to tell him to step away for now and bring him back later cuz right now the block is hot so the owners I think it'd be in his best interest I really do but you get the sense he's not doing it and you wonder at you wonder now with this situation and this press conference you wonder if now you know the way the public is viewing this and the public opinion will sway or change the way the owners feel about the situation, and maybe Roger Goodell decides, you know what, this is a perfect time for me to step away, a perfect time for me to get away right now, and and kind of let this situation breathe, kind of let this situation heal, and and pretty much move forward from there. I I think that would be in the best interests of the league. I think that that would be in the best interest of you know just the NFL in general because the public and I think judging by the tweets that you heard from the players, they're not really in love with Roger Goodell. They're not, and the tweets by a bunch of different players shows you and tells you that. It tells you that, but we'll see what happens. Switching gears now, um, we're going to bring in a girl now, and here's the thing: this, this when we come back, we're going to bring her in, but she's going to tell us, us men, what we can do to get women to watch sport with us, to get them to watch it and, and and be excited and and you know enjoy it. She's going to tell us when we come back, when we return. Relationship expert Marnie Kenrich, you're listening to Go For The Block Talk Radio. Right? Yeah. How i welcome to go for it. Donald on Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but it doesn't don't mean see. anything
1: in the playoffs time. When the playoffs come, it doesn't <laughs> mean anything.
0: Uh, I, was trying to throw you, know I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your, nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well we know that you know we know that you can tempt marry women. We've seen you 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 have a pedigree. We see what you can do. We've seen
2: it.
0: I would never bring my wife around
1: you. I, I just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's all right. that's not Robbie. That's cold blooded. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do.
0: (laughs) Guys, listen up. The girl, this lady that we're about to bring in, she says she can get you any woman you want. Any woman you want. You just have to use her method. Let's bring her in now, relationship expert, Marnie Kinrish. Marnie, how are you?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: Doing well. Thanks for joining us.
1: Oh, thanks for having me.
0: Now, Marnie, as I said earlier, you said that essentially you can help a man get any woman that he wants with the Wing Girl Method. Tell us about the yes. Wing Girl Method. Tell us.
1: The, well, the Wing Girl Method is my method that I created approximately 10 years ago. Actually, I just had my anniversary this week, so it actually is exactly 10 years ago from this week. And Happy anniversary. It is, yeah. well, thank you very much. Um, And it is offering a female perspective to men so they can understand women, so they can attract, date, seduce, and keep any girl they want. And and what it's based in are three things. The first thing is that the man has to be able to turn himself on. And I'm not trying to be dirty here. It's like you have to be able to find yourself attractive, think you're sexy, think you're awesome, have that belief system where – you're not coming off as an arrogant jerk, but you're proud to be who you are and you know what you want. That's the first step of the Wing Method. The second step is having a complete knowledge of how women work. Not how you wish they worked, but how they actually work so that you can stop your frustration and you can navigate through women with ease. And the third step is applying simple tools and a skill set so that you can actually be able to interact with women so that you can attract them and select the okay. women that you want. So things like okay. you know how to talk to women or how to approach women or how to stay out of the friend zone, those things are pretty essential. So all three combined together are the wing girl method. And I know it doesn't all sound super sexy and like instant magic bullet, but it happens pretty quickly. And after about three months of going through my method, you really can't have any woman that you want.
0: Now, did your husband use that method on you?
1: (laughs) That's what everybody asks me. Okay, I will tell you one thing. So this is the thing about my husband. So my husband is actually the first man I ever met who had all of the things that I teach men about. And so I've broken down my husband, but I've broken down my husband to figure out (laughs) how – to be that guy because I'd interacted with guys before that, yeah, I had crushes on or I was attracted to, but he was the first man who just was like the full package for me. Okay. He is the okay. nicest man in the entire world, but he has a strong backbone and doesn't let me walk all over him. He okay. is vulnerable, but also super strong. So he, he's got like the balance of everything that is. Super sexy to me, and I've interviewed close to five thousand women now over the past decade, and all the wow. attributes that I, I I use to describe my husband, and now like other you know many other men that I've interacted with who also attract me, um, but yeah, the attributes that I talk about, like they are the women that I've talked to are almost in one hundred percent agreement that those things are also attractive to them.
0: Now, is there any limitations to this method? Pretty much, if I'm um a not-so-attractive guy, can I still, with this method, get a yeah. very attractive woman?
1: Oh, have you ever seen any anything, like any TV show, like anything, like people in the media? There, there are always men who are less attractive than the women that they're with, and they're not always just super powerful or have tons of money. There's, There's always seemingly that imbalance of looks when it comes to men and women. So I actually recently did an interview with David Buss on my podcast called the Ask Women podcast. And David Buss is the author of a book called The Evolution of Desire, which is absolutely fantastic and, like, everybody should read it. It's pretty science-y, but it's a book based on research that he did where he went across, I think, 37 different countries, like tribes in Africa and New York City, like, comparing people from all over the world and there were okay. 10,000 people collectively that were a part of this research project men and women and he was trying to get to the base of attraction like the evolutionary and biological reasonings scientific reasonings behind attraction and what he found at the very end of his research was that basically there was consensus Amongst all of these different places in the world, that attraction is the same there's there's little nuances that are different based on where those people are at, but ultimately for men, three things are what create attraction for them and help with their evolutionary survival right and one of those things is you know they're attracted to look it is one of the things there's for sure. two other attributes for women it's very different there's a list of like eighteen different attributes that are listed, but at the peak of that list of eighteen attributes, what they all um, go towards that is the most tragic to women is men that can bring them closer to resources. And that doesn't mean money, okay. but it means survival, safety, and success in whatever society they're living in. So things like intelligence, drive, ambition, family values, um, friendship circles, um, you know, th- those are the things that attract Women again, depending on where they are there there are different things that show women each of those attributes, but basically the looks are not a part of it There's, that was not one of the attributes that okay. were listed in the eighteen different attributes. There's all of those other things so but but taking care of yourself um and good hygiene actually was part of the attributes list so you may not be the most handsome of men but if you take care of yourself if you can dress well put yourself together and carry yourself with um you know an air of confidence and ownership of who you are you can turn on anybody
0: okay all right we're talking to relationship relationship expert excuse me marty Kenris. and marty let me ask you this now when I was growing up, and, and when I well, I'm not growing. up, 21 years old, 23, 24 years old in the club. I see a group of girls. I'm intimidated yeah. because there's a group of girls right there. I can't talk Why? to them. It's a group of girls. I'm intimidated. Give me some Why? advice. Why? together. All, it's, it's amazing <laughs> time and energy, right? Why would
1: you? That, that's amazing. It's a group of women. Yes, continue. What up? Yes. Uh, give me some advice. How,
0: how can I? How can I break it? How can I break that group?
1: You you go up to the group and you make a joke and you say, are you guys talking about me? Something like that, like something flirtation, flirtation and bantery that actually approaches the entire group and doesn't single out one girl. Because most likely you're like, hey, there's a hot girl. I want to approach her. She's in a group right? So okay. you have to approach the group, make the whole group feel special. If anything, don't focus your attention on the girl that you're attracted to. And then once you won over the group and connected with them, then you can start to single out the girl that you're attracted okay. to. Start whispering to her, or like playing a little game about like you and that girl against the other two girls or something where you're poking fun and teasing the girls that are there. Because everybody's out to have fun, right? Like, nobody wants to go sure. out and be bored by people. They want to play around. They want to, like, look around the room and make guesses about why people are there the last time that they had sex or things like that that can be really playful. And, I, you know, I talk about different things and topics that you can bring up with girls in my book that I have on Amazon that's called Get Inside Her. Um, okay. But, yeah, there's, like, a ton of things that you can do. But the main thing to remember is to always approach the group first connect to the group, get a couple of laughs out of them, all right. and then you can separate the girl that you want to talk to.
0: And, and I can do this all by myself. I don't need a wingman. I can do this all by myself.
1: No, I do you need to share women? No, go on your own. There's no <laughs> need for anybody else. If anything, have uh, no a weasel with you that's even better. <laughs> you! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no. also,
0: also, the online dating world, online dating world, I'm glad I never had to mess with this world. I'm happily married, never had to mess with this world, thank God. But I want to ask you this. How does one make their profile stand out? How does one make their dating profile stand out where one where others will want to click on it and, and want to date this person?
1: Okay, so that, that's the only negative thing about online dating is that you have, you do have to have some sort of skill set with writing, which I think is kind of unfair because – some people who are awesome in person are not the best writers, which I would just say like don't go to online dating and go to live events where you can show off your dazzling personality rather than being stuck in a format that doesn't really work with you. But if you are going to choose to do online dating, um, the one thing that you want to remember is that you're trying to entice women, right? You're not talking okay. to other men that are out there. So I, I would do this. There's a couple of exercises you can do before you start online dating. One is signing up as a woman and putting up a profile. And I would take it down right away because I, I know it messes around with other guys and it's not really nice. Um, but <laughs> okay. you put a profile up as a woman so that you can see the emails that women are being sent every single day. Like when a woman puts up her profile, if she's kind of cute to really hot, She's going to get, depending on what, what site it is, like 50 to 100 emails in that first day. Okay. And you will see just, like, just how attacked women get and the crap that women get thrown at them, which is why we have a lot of barriers to entry and why we're pretty selective with who we allow in because there's a lot of creepers out there and a lot of people who are not <laughs> you know, doing a good thing for your gender. So for sure. I would do that. I would also go on as a woman and I would look at other men's profiles and read their profiles and see the things that they have and see the things that interest you, that catch your attention, that you're like, oh, that's really boring. That guy seems like a dud. And, like, just start to notice the things that you start thinking about this guy. Because overall, we're all attracted to dynamic people, right, and people who really Mm -hmm. value themselves. So men and women are both attracted to it, men for different purposes than women, but it's still something attractive. So once you start to see other people's reach uh, profiles, you can start to pick out like things that they're incorporating into their profiles that you could incorporate in as, just, just style wise. I'm not talking about like stealing sentences from them. But then okay. um, it'll really help you write your profile. But overall what you want to do is you want to make sure that you're not just speaking in statements. In your profile. So I have this blog on my website, winggirlmethod.com, and it's about conversation threading. And it talks about how, you know, men speak in statements with each other and they're really satisfied by those statements. Like, how was the game last week? Great, awesome. Like, I like hot dogs. Like, those are things that you guys say to each other, right? (laughs) But with women, when they're talking, they're exchanging emotions. So there's underlying messages below what they're actually saying. So when you talk Mm -hmm. to a woman, and when either in online or in person, you have to have a balance between the way that you talk in statements, but then also inject emotion into what you're saying as well. And that can be done really easily by, I have a method that's called OSA, right? So it's observation, share, and ask. But that's like when you're having conversations with women, but it's a way to write your profile. You make an observation or you make a statement. I like dogs. doesn't have to be as boring as that statement, but I like dogs, right? But afterwards, you want to share something about it so that you expand and you can ingest an emotion. I like dogs because, and then that statement after the because is where women will get the chance to feel who you are, right? Because that will expand on your feelings about something and lets her have a little bit of a peek into who you are. Um, so uh, all of the information I just provided, like all of that put together will help you really put together a great profile. But I would say that as well, if you don't want to take yourself too seriously, as, as genuine as you want to be, and, you know, if you're looking for love, say, so yeah, I'm looking for love. But you also want to show to a woman that you don't take yourself too seriously. It's not the be-all and end-all if you, you aren't a match with each other, and you're going to march on afterwards. So that's the message sure. that you want to get across—that you're there for fun. She can have fun with you, but here are the things that you're looking for. Here are the things that you hope to come out of online dating, and then make some sort of joke, and then you know get back to being serious again. And that kind so of it's all is, is, yeah, I know I gave a lot of information. See, women are not quick answerers, so <laughs> for sure, <laughs> it's that's, all about the, it's all, those are the things that attract recommend.
0: It seems like it's all about the joke. I mean, the large group joke you know, the the online yeah.
1: profile joke. So it's all about the it joke. It's all about okay. the balance, right? So if you're approaching a, a group of girls and one girl starts talking to you and she's like, okay, what do you do for a living? You're like, Yeah, I'm, I'm an astronaut, right? You throw that out there. And then you go, like, I have a huge mission that I'm going on next week. What should I pack? Or, like, something playful that you want to sure. say to her, right? So you make that <laughs> statement. You play around. You guys banter for a few minutes. And then you say, "No, nah. you know what? I'm a lawyer, but i i I love I love being a lawyer. But what I like even more is when I do X, Y, and Z. And you talk about your your yeah. or hobbies or you something so else. So there's that that balance as well. It's like I can joke around and not take life so seriously. But here's who I also am, and this is me as a full package. You know, that's yeah. what you want to show to women. But that's also what you want to show for yourself that you are a full package. Definitely.
0: Definitely. We're talking to relationship expert Marnie Kinris, And, and Marnie, i got to ask you this now. I I love football, and for the longest, you have some advice on this, for the longest, I've been trying to get my wife to watch football with me. What can I do to make that happen?
1: I don't know, but when you figure it out, tell my husband, because he is frustrated (laughs) over that as well. Okay, I will tell you one thing, and I've told my husband this a million times, you have to make it fun for me. And listen, there's either the one thing of letting it go and just saying, you know, football for me and my guys, or football is for me and myself, that time for myself. Or you can learn to make it fun for her. Because even the other night, I really tried to sit down and watch football with my husband and his friends, and every time I would make a comment and every time I would ask a question, he wouldn't. Answer me. (laughs) And then I said afterwards, this is why I don't like watching with you. And I'm like, I get it. I'm like, if I was watching The Bachelor and you asked a question midway through the rose ceremony, I wouldn't want to answer you either. I totally get it. Um, So, like, I understand that we both have things that maybe the other person doesn't like, but if at the commercial break, if, if he could turn to me and be really into me and answering my questions and explaining things and then things that you know pull me in and hold me tight while we're watching one of the games and then say see that guy's doing this or see that guy's doing that oh I would love it I would absolutely love it and he's very <laughs> into his football so I that's that's I have not cracked that one yet but when I do I will okay. tell you
0: all right so now you have a book out that's not how men work tell us about yeah. it.
1: Well that book is for women. So um that book is based on the information that I've learned from uh, you know, tens of thousands of men that I've interacted with and worked with over the years. Um okay. because I I've learned how men work. Uh, and they don't work the way that I thought that they did, um, or the way that I wanted them to. Uh and it's definitely helps me in my interactions with other men uh, and 100% helps me in my interactions with my man. Um, and so now I want to relay that information to whether they're, you know, single and dating or they're in a relationship or they're in a long-term marriage. Uh, the information that I've learned can be applied to everybody at every different stage, uh, mistakes that women are making that they're not aware of that are decreasing mm-hmm. their opportunities on a daily basis. Um, because I've learned over time that men are afraid of rejection. Men don't sure. want, some men don't want sex as much as we think they do. Um, men actually do want relationships or they just want to have options. Men don't want to be in the friend zone with us. Uh, men have insecurities and here's how you can help them be more secure so they can give you what you want them to give you. Uh, I think a lot of women get, n- upset that they're not finding the right man, or they're not finding quality men. quality men. But I, I actually don't think that they are giving the quality men the time of day because they're not presenting themselves in the same way that they think a man should present themselves. Okay. Um, but if they were to give that man five more minutes of their time to get them comfortable or help them become more comfortable, they would actually be able to have amazing men around them at all times.
0: So well, uh, that's... I
1: think- I about.
0: Well, on some level, don't you attract what you are?
1: I think you definitely do, but I also think that a lot of people have guards up, um, and they're also uncomfortable, and they're also insecure, so they protect themselves, right? So okay. right. I don't think that, you know, okay, I work with amazing men who... Uh, and I have other wing girls that work with me, and we'll have evenings where we have an event, and the wing girls will go out with guys, and these guys are open with them, right? They're open, they're awesome, they're fun, they're cracking jokes, and as soon as one of the wing girls says, okay, go approach her, they turn into a different version of themselves. They start whipping <laughs> out weird lines, or they get nervous, or they get poor body language. or And, like, the girls will say to me, like, I am an idiot. I I have turned down so many awesome guys because they were that bumbling fool that I didn't realize could also be that awesome guy. So I, I do attra- I do believe that like attracts like. Um, mm-hmm. But these are just like surface level things that if one side could help out a bit more or be a bit more open and be a bit more obvious, the other side may not be as nervous and as fearful. Of rejection, Like, for example, if women who want to be approached at bars or out in public actually, you know, smiled and had open body language, um, a man wouldn't be so fearful of her saying he's bothering me um, if he finds her attractive and actually wants to approach her. So in a situation like that, a woman looks as if she doesn't want to be bothered or picked up, but secretly she does want to be picked up, and flirted with, but the guy's thinking she doesn't want to be bothered right now, so he doesn't approach her, and she doesn't get approached. So they both. So yeah, this book is just really there's just like little things like that that can help help women understand where men are coming from because I think there's you know a lot a lot of men are at least from from my history of men they're working their asses off to understand women so they can give them what they want. Beautiful. They are, Beautiful. and they're, and I love that about them. Um, and I, I hope women can do the same thing with men, because if they want to partner up with them, they have to know how they work, or else they're screwing themselves, and they're going to be very miserable <laughs> later on down the road. So, sure. you know, No education one education miserable. wonderful. Yeah, don't be miserable.
0: That life is too short to be miserable. Fans, make sure you go to our website, wingirlmethod.com. Also, hit her up on Twitter, wingirl, at wingirlmethod. Also, make sure you get her book. That's not how men work, and that's on Amazon? No, it's not. It's
1: actually at that'snothowmenwork.com.
0: Okay. All right, so fans, support all the great things going on with Marnie Kinris. Marnie, pleasure talking to you. you. Wish you nothing but the best of luck. Let's do it again.
1: Yeah, oh, for sure. I would love to.
0: Marnie Kinris. And we thank her for for that relationship advice. I mean, some of you guys out there uh, need to know how to get a date. Some of you guys out here need to know how to get a date. Some of you guys out here need to, know, to to work on your online profiles so you can get yourself a date. Some of you guys who have women need to find ways to get your woman to watch football. Marnie, Kenris can help you with that, and she broke it down for us. Great, great talking to Marnie. And again, we wish her nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Second hour go for it. Starts right now.
1: a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picture on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it!
0: And we're back. Second hour of Go For It. Started right now. In the second hour, we're expected to be joined by Hall of Famer Willie Roe. Willie's in New Orleans, so we're, we're going to get his take on the Saints, who are 0-2. Get his take on... Um, Roger Goodell and that whole situation, and um, you know, see what he thinks about. See what he thinks about what he heard today. You know, I, I, again, I didn't hear much. I don't think anybody there who who heard the press conference really didn't hear much. You know, we didn't hear much there, so we'll get Willie's take on. I, I want to, and I'm going to tell you in this hour also, hypocrisy, and there is some hypocrisy going on when it comes to sponsorship and players. Not only in the NFL, but all around sports. We'll get to that hypocrisy in a moment. Let's look at the NBA for a moment now. Eric Bledsoe. Well, apparently, Eric Bledsoe is being offered a max deal, four years, $63 million from the Wolves. A max deal. A max deal. And right now, according to reports... The Suns and the T-Wolves are in talks to get this signed and trade, and make it you know make it come to fruition. I mean, a max deal for Eric Bledsoe. Obviously, you're overpaying. I mean, come on. I know Eric Bledsoe had a decent season. I know he had a decent season, but Isaiah Thomas, uh, who signed with the Suns, was a 20-point score. He got four years, 27 million. Eric Bledsoe. And he was he was big time for the Suns, a team that many didn't think would do anything last year and almost made the playoffs. But Eric Bledsoe, you look at his numbers, seventeen points, five assists a game last season for the Suns. So and he he was a big part of what the Suns did. He was a big reason why the Suns really, you know, scrapped and fought and clawed and had an opportunity to make the playoffs. His play, Eric Bledsoe was a part of it. And, you know, it's just a great job done by Jeff Hornacek. Well, that's a lot of money for Eric Bledsoe. Four years, $63 million, a max deal for a guy who, I mean, how much has Eric Bledsoe done in this league? How much has Eric Bledsoe done in this league where he would uh, uh, be afforded an opportunity to have a max deal? I mean, ultimately you, you, you get what you're, whatever you can get, and the market dictates what you can get. But, goodness gracious, $63 million, four years, For Eric Bledsoe, that's a lot of money for Eric Bledsoe, a whole heck of a lot of money. And and it's overpaying, but, you know, some teams in certain positions have to overpay for talent. Some teams in certain positions overpay, and they really don't have a choice. Teams like Minnesota have to overpay because it's difficult to get stars to Minnesota. It's difficult to get players to Minnesota. So those teams, those type of teams have to overpay. And that's what they did. They overpaid. Hope Solo. Hope Solo. Hypocrisy at its finest. Well, the moment things came down, I'll tell you why it's hypocrisy, and I'll tell you the exact reason it is. I'll tell you why uh, we really are not talking about it, why we don't really care. But here's the thing. uh, Adrian Peterson, you know, we sent him away. It wasn't the Vikings who sent him away. It was the sponsors and the people, the public. They sent him away. They sent him away. Be clear. Sponsorships and the public sent Greg Hardy away. It wasn't the Panthers. It was the public and sponsors who sent Greg Hardy away. They sent Greg Hardy away. Johnson Dwyer. It wasn't the Cardinals who sent him away. It was the public, sponsors, who sent him away. And again, not defending the actions of any of these guys, not condoning the actions of any of these guys. And, you know, part of their behavior is the reason they're sent away. But they probably wouldn't be sent away if it wasn't for the public and sponsors. So you and sponsors. But anyway, Hope Solo, you know, we sent Adrian Peterson away. And we're none too happy about Adrian Peterson. We're none too happy. And, and you know, here's the hypocrisy of his finest. Hope Solo at this point, at this point in time, she's been charged. Two counts of misdemeanor domestic violence. An assault against her half-sister and her 17-year-old ne- nephew. So there's two charges against her, just like there's charges against Adrian Peterson. There's charges against Hope Solo. Has anybody been talking about it? Does anybody really care? Has anybody said anything about it? No, we don't care. We haven't said anything about it. But we're so quick to bash Adrian Peterson, so quick to bash Greg Hardy and, and, and everybody else. But we see this Nike. They dropped Adrian Peterson. Oh, by the way, Hope Solo, they're still with her. They're still with her. They're still with her. And so we're forgetting. We're we're talking about Adrian Peterson, and we're forgetting about Hope Solo. No one is talking. Philomena tweeted out, Hope Solo is playing in a U.S. soccer game tonight despite two domestic assault charges. No outrage here, though, right? Jamie Lasker, Lasker, excuse me. So Hope Solo can represent our country after being arrested for domestic violence, and everyone is okay with that. Just saying. Just saying. And I'm just saying. Adrian Peterson just has charges at this point. Has not been convicted. Under Carolina law, Greg Hardy at this point is afforded an opportunity to a jury trial. At this point, Jonathan Dwyer has not been convicted of anything. At this point. But the big difference is this: this is soccer, which, other than every four years when World Cup comes around, and every four years we want to say, can soccer make it in the and in, in our country in the U.S.? Will soccer finally take it in the United States? It'll take, and it's gotten. And I mean, the popularity of soccer has increased. Don't get no doubt about it. Definitely has increased. But guess what? People, after after the World Cup is over. Their care factor for soccer diminishes. It diminishes big time. Diminishes big time. But you know what the difference is also. I think soccer in the NFL, NFL soccer, NFL soccer. What do Americans care about more than anything, any sport in the world in a, in the a, in a country? Football. So no one cares really about Hope Solo. No one really cares about her. So, guess what? Guess what? Nike can stick by her. You know, U.S. soccer can stick by her. They can all stick by her because no one cares. No one cares about soccer. But this is hypocrisy. This is hypocrisy at its highest and at its finest. It's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. Well, if that's the case, Adrian Peterson should be playing. If that's the case, Jonathan Dwyer should be playing. If that's the case, Greg Hardy should be playing. It's not fair, folks. Hope Solo gets a pass. She gets a pass. And, you know, so, while we're all talking about Adrian Peterson, while we're all lambasting Greg Hardy, I'm not saying you're wrong. While we're all going after Jonathan Dwyer and calling him every other name in the book, what are we saying about Hope Solo? We're saying absolutely positively nothing. You know why? Because you don't care. You know why? Cuz it's soccer that you you just don't care. It also could be cuz she's a woman. Could be, it it, it could be. I mean, it's a taboo subject, and something I don't think we don't talk about a lot. But you know, women abuse men too, and I'm not saying. I mean, in this particular situation, she, you know, allegedly allegedly assaulted her half sister and her nephew. But women do beat men. It happens, happens. So the 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 point I'm trying to make is we don't care about whole solo. Hope Solo is is going under the radar. She's going very. She's going way under the radar. No one cares about Hope Solo, but we do care about Adrian Peterson. We do care about Greg Hardy. We do care about Jonathan Dwyer. Is it fair? No, it's not fair. But sometimes with with, with great power comes great responsibility and being that the NFL is a very powerful organization, and being that their players have a very you know high level of popularity, especially Adrian Peterson. I mean, you're talking about one of the more popular guys in football. You're talking about one of the better players in football. You're talking about maybe the best running back in football. You're talking about possibly a Hall of, Fame, possibly a Hall of Famer when it's all said and done. So the bottom line is this comes down to Hope Solo, soccer, women's soccer, who cares? And and that's the bottom line. If Hope Solo was Hope Solo, the football player, and she was charged to this, guess what? Hope Solo would be on some kind of commissioner exempt list still receiving a paycheck, but not playing on the field. So, you know, this is hypocrisy at its finest. This is hypocrisy at its highest. And it's not as finest that is as that is worse. That is worse but this is the ultimate hypocrisy, the ultimate hypocrisy. So when you start yelling about Adrian Peterson, when you start yelling about Greg Hardy, when you start yelling uh, about Jonathan Dwyer, Ray Rice, and the rest of these guys, you might want to start yelling about Hope Solo as well. You, 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 You might want to do that. That might be a pretty good idea on your part. Don't let this one, I mean, if you have a problem with, Peterson and, and Rice and Hardy, you need to have a problem with Hope Solo. Sorry, you do. Anyway, it is hypocrisy, and you know. I, and here's the thing: even with me pointing out this hypocrisy, I'm not calling for her to be suspended because I think she's afforded the opportunity of due process. She is. She's afforded that opportunity, and and, and should get that opportunity, At the moment. They figure out and, and say, you know what? The moment they say guilty, the moment they say guilty is the moment that suspension should be in place. That's the way I feel about it. You know, I could, be, I'm, I'm probably in the minority. And again, I've said earlier in the show, I don't have a problem with uh, the NFL stance on this. But is it really the NFL stance, or is it the stance of Anheuser-Busch? Is it the stance of, you know, of Anheuser-Busch, the stance of of Procter & Gamble? Is it the stance of all the other, all the sponsors out here? Is it their stance, or is it the NFL's stance? And, you know, the NFL basically is, is being, in some respect, and, and you know, the, the sponsor to run the NFL, really, on some level. When you look at the way these situations went down, we'll see what happens moving forward. But again, if you have a problem with Adrian Peterson, you need to have a problem with Hope Solo in that whole situation. You have a problem with uh, Greg Hardy, you need to have a problem with Hope Solo. She's still playing. She's still playing. The other guys I mentioned are not. So think about that moving forward. Think about that. Think, think, think. Let's go to baseball now. Clayton Kershaw. 20-game winner. 20-game winner. What a year this guy has had. You know, a lot of people are saying, not only Cy Young, but MVP. I mean, his, his 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 year, sick. I mean, under two ERA, 1.80, 20 wins, only three losses. I mean, absolutely incredible. What a season for Clayton Kershaw. What a season. Let's take a caller. You're going to go for it.
3: What's going on, man? How are you? I'm well. I'm well. I've uh, Just been listening for the past five minutes, so trying to catch up with you. This Nosh. Yeah, this is Naj. <laughs>
0: Thanks for calling again.
3: Hey, trying to support, man. You know how it is out here, man. Boy, sure, I had a good sure. time though earlier, man. I put on some barbecue, got me a nice cold beer, so I could watch the Roger Goodell press conference and watch him go down in flames thoughts? and laugh at him. Had a good what time. What are your
0: thoughts? Tell me what you saw. No, it, it was what just saw. what I
3: expected, man. He, he gave uh, BS answers, a whole lot of lawyer speak, a whole lot of talk about committees and things that they're going to yeah. do and things that he can't possibly really pull off. And it just deteriorated into nonsense uh, to the point of some reporters started pushing him a little bit, uh, Rachel Nichols uh, especially. And yeah. by the end of it, it looked like he was a guy who just wanted to go home and, uh, I think, he's, I think he might end up resigning. I think they might end up getting rid of that guy.
0: And I wonder I wonder if they're going to decide this. I wonder if the NFL is taking the temperature of the fans, sponsors, and everybody after this particular press conference. Because to your point, he really didn't say anything. I mean, he, like you said, it was just lawyer speak. It was just a lot of generalities. That's it. And, and here's the thing. Anytime a person or, or a company has issues, they always say the magic word, let's form a committee. Let's let's, oh, yeah. let's form this and form that and <coughs> see what we can do moving forward. I mean, it's just the magic word. It, it's the cure. Yeah, have, you, have you
3: heard <laughs> anything from that anti-bullying uh, committee they started last year in Miami? You heard anything
0: <laughs> about that since then? No, not really. You know? Not really. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> yeah. It's just, here's <clears> the thing. <throat> the NFL is no different than any other corporations. Corporations – Don't really care about social issues. The reality is, corporations care when they have to care. And now the NFL, because of sponsorships, because of public backlash, because really of social media in a lot of ways, the NFL now has to react. The NFL has to address these issues. They don't want to do it. They have to do it. You know, and and so I mean, it's it's just the way of the world, pretty much. It's the way of big business. Right, but this is
3: is the essential thing with it, though. Within that realm, you have to have somebody who's considered credible as your front man. He has to be the one to come out and speak, uh, give statements and ideas about things, and people have to take him as, you know, a credible guy. Okay, he spoke on it, he said this, his name carries authority, his name carries weight. Now, once that guy is not considered credible and his name carries no weight and people are, you know, suspect of everything that he says – then he becomes a problem, and there's no need to have him on your boat. So typically they toss him off the boat. So with Goodell, that, that's how I'm looking at this issue. Okay, will the owners decide they're going to keep him, or are they going to be uh, really arrogant in the way of thinking, okay, this is our guy, we're going to keep him on because we're not going to allow outside groups to dictate to us. That, that's like the typical corporate response that's usually a mistake. Right. You're not going to tell us what to do.
0: Here's the thing, the outside groups in a lot of ways are telling the NFL what to do. That's why Adrian Peterson isn't playing on Sunday. That's that's a byproduct of the outside groups. I mean, and and the thing is, to your point, I mean, I'm just reading player tweets about this, and the players are against Goodell, it seems. And and it just, to me, like, I I personally think Roger Goodell should step away. I'm not saying resign, but I think he should step away for a moment, take a leave of absence, suspend himself indefinitely, and and, and just – let this die down a little bit, because I think his credibility is lost. I really yeah, do. But see, and that's the you... thing,
3: though. Him stepping away doesn't bring it back. He just comes back to more questions. And this is not a thing of Roger Goodell is Steve Jobs, and he created this thing, and he's this visionary guy we have to have. The ownership group right. knows they could throw him out and get a just-as-good resume on their table uh, by morning, if not a For former sure. Secretary of State and Condi Rice in that chair if they want. Sure. So it, sure. it's not an issue if they have to keep this guy, and that's the that's the puzzling part about this is that they went to bat for Goodell so much, and they don't need him. And the fact that the Ravens went to bat for a three yards of carry running back so hard, which made no sense uh, initially. So right. it, it's it's
0: funny. And and the thing is, it's it, the the funny part about this whole thing is, you know, TMZ, the guy from TMZ asked a great question. You know, said a great thing. You know what? They are able to pick up the phone, make one phone call. And bam, the video's on their desk. and In oh, yeah. the NFL, a billion-dollar business, reality is they didn't want to know. Either they don't know, don't want to know, or don't show, or don't care what happened in that video. And, 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 and that's really the bottom line. I the, mean, great that's line really the bottom no line from no boy
3: from boys in the hood, <laughs> man. You, you, you said a million right there, brother. You said a million right there. That is it. Because... When that question was asked, Roger knew okay t m z asked a self serving question, but it also cuts cuts at me. How do I handle this? He handled that one pretty well, but when uh Nichols started talking about just the the idea of you having uh one group of lawyers represent represent the n f l and right. also be the ones to be the voice of reason within your uh so called discussions. Uh, made it absurd, and then that last lady who asked him about the diversity on the committee that he's making about mm-hmm. domestic violence. Oh man, they they had to cut the, <laughs> the guy up. Presses over. It's, it, <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> Roger had nothing. I
0: mean, let me ask you this. Bottom line, Roger Goodell, does he keep his job as the NFL commissioner moving forward? No.
3: No, I, I, I think the, I think this presser was the last. Gasp of them giving a try to him. Like, look, we owe you this. You've been here with us. We made a lot of money together. We'll give you a shot. Go out there and, and you know try to turn the tide on this thing. But he's just not equipped to handle it. I, I personally, even though I hate David Stern, I think David Stern could have walked away there uh, at least with a draw, not a KO.
0: <laughs> but it, I mean, it was it was hard for Roger Goodell to get a draw in this situation because of, you know, just everything. Because I mean, of
3: his own doing, though. That, that's the thing, right. though. This, and, this is not a thing of, okay, you took this job on as the sheriff, Roger Goodell, and you were going to change things and implement policy and make sure everybody's held accountable. Right. That's the job you took on. That's who you presented yourself as. So as time began to show and as experience began to show, your case your caseload just doesn't look good. You have the Saints case to where right. you're told... Uh, Sean Payton. Uh, well, just because you didn't know doesn't that doesn't uh, dissolve you of any wrongdoing, exactly. which turned out to be nonsense because you can't treat anyone like that. And then you go to you know the lockout, the scandal with the refs, to where we had the the non official officials mm-hmm. and the yeah, fail married, yeah. and you know just the the. <laughs> relationship he has with the players right now and the Players Association. The fact that D. Maurice Smith was not there to try to throw a lifeline kind of tells you how frazzled, how frayed that relationship is. So he he's, right. he's just losing on all fronts and there's no reason for them to keep him around because that money is still going to be coming in and they don't need reporters writing think pieces every week and people snooping around the NFL right. and bringing up past domestic violence cases. They don't want that.
0: Right. And the bottom line, if he didn't see the video, fine. But you almost should get fired for not seeing the video. I mean, that, that <laughs> right. should be ground enough to get rid of you because, you know, you're a billion-dollar company, a billion-dollar organization. You have connections everywhere. If you wanted to see it, you could have seen it. Again, you chose not to see it. At least that's what he said. I can't believe it. But even if you didn't see it, you got a police report. And the police report details uh, yeah. what happened and, and, in video. And what video.
3: is this thing about people saying, well, once i seen the video, I knew – well, you knew that he had punched her and she was unconscious. Why right. did some people say they had to see the video footage before they decided this was bad? I, I didn't get. I don't get that.
0: Well, I, I, my thought at the time was, okay, maybe something different happened in the elevator. We don't know. I mean, I, that was my thinking that we didn't see it because we saw him dragging her out. So my th- my thought was okay maybe just maybe he swung and she slipped or, or it's just something maybe something like that happened maybe just try to give him the benefit of the doubt. And I thought at the time just based off and without seeing the in elevator video but just based off of his wife taking him back and and then working on the relationship, reconciling the relationship, the wife taking some blame even though you can question that as well. But I thought at the time maybe two games was okay because there was nothing else on the books that showed us that, you know, there should be more than two games for this particular situation. So, at the time, I probably was in the minority and thinking that it was okay. But once I saw the in-elevator video, I mean, all bets were off. And, you know, the league should have saw it. Uh, You know, TMZ saw it. So, the league should definitely be <laughs> right. I mean, right. it should be interesting. And, and, and this And this goes
3: back to my original point when I talked to you last week, man. The NFL and other sports organizations should worry about sports, and they should have a set policy on whatever criminality that they want to have, but they should never present themselves as judge, jury, or some type of arm of the law. We live in a right. country of laws, and those laws are not determined by the NFL, NBA, or MLB. They are sports and,
0: and I think, <laughs> groups. And, and I, you know, I just I, I look at it, and, and you know, the biggest problem I have with this whole thing, and I can understand the league sitting Adrian Peterson down, Greg Hardy, you know, putting them on a commissioner exempt list. I can understand all that, but at the same time, I, I'm getting a sense in our society. That we're becoming a, a, an overly critical, overly judgmental society, and we're not giving guys opportunities to turn this thing around. And, and to me, I have a problem with that. You know, we, we, we're supposedly a country of second chances. We're we're a country that is innocent before guilty. And and I think now we got it the other way around. And I think it's a bad trend. It's just a, just a yeah, bad we're trend, to I think.
3: Do, we're trying to do both, and, and and that's what the issue is. We're trying to, as you said, be a country of second chances and treating people like human beings who will make mistakes. But we also have this side of us that is very punitive and is very, uh, I guess you could say, pro-punishment for the, the idea true. of anything somebody does, okay, throw the book at them, lock them up. You know, so we have both sides kind of back-and-forth swaying with each, with, with each issue and trying to figure out where it goes. So, I mean, just just put it like this. If Janae Rice didn't look like Janae Rice, how, how, how far do you think Roger Goodell would have gone? Like, if she looked a different way, do you think he would have just gone six games off the rip and he doesn't have any controversy? And we're not talking about any of this because it just would have been, you know, a normal occurrence.
0: And, and I think you're right. I think if he would have did six to eight games from the jump – we wouldn't really be talking about this at this point in time. It'd be like a moot point, a moot issue. Wouldn't even no one would be talking about it. I think if we'd have, if he would have did that from the from the jump, like you said, but he didn't. And now, oh, okay. We well, let be- me
3: let me be a little let me, let me be a little more forthcoming. If her name was Amy or Becky Rice and not Janae Rice, <laughs> and she was in that elevator, and people actually heard about the incident and knew that he knocked out this woman. I think I think Roger Goodell would have handled it in a normal fashion instead of falling for the okie doke of them two presenting themselves as lovers needing to reconcile, and he would have just come down with the hammer. But the fact that, you know, they kind of gave him that idea and the relationship he has with the Ravens' owner, which is also another big factor. You can check the Outside sure. outside the Lines report on that,
0: yeah, which
3: kind of swayed sure. him to think differently. But I'm telling you, if that's Becky Rice, oh, things would have been done. <laughs>
0: So you're basically saying that she was white.
3: Hey, man. Hey, man. (laughs) It is what it is, man. You put your hands on that white woman out here in public, especially as a public-profile football player. Oh, there's going to be some repercussions. Ain't going to be no deal like he got out there in Atlantic City with that courtroom.
0: (laughs) And we'll leave it right there. Nah, thanks for the call, man.
3: Hey, thanks for having me on, man. I'll hang up and listen, bro.
0: For sure. And so, I mean, it's he, he makes a lot of great points. He makes a lot of great points when it comes to this whole situation. I mean, the, the reality is Commissioner Goodell messed up, and you know, for these type of mess ups, sometimes there aren't any second chances. And you know, so you wonder, like, and just watching and watching the the, the press conference, he didn't really do himself. He didn't do what I mean. He, he just didn 't come off as, as as good as he wanted to, I think I mean here's the thing you, we, we talked about the FBI director, former FBI director Mueller, who's going to be doing the investigation, but he has ties to a, a law firm that does has a connection to the NFL so the perception out there is this investigation is going to be flawed. perception in our world is reality, so as something is perceived, so as someone believes and, and so perception is reality so the perception out there is this investigation is done by a guy who has a connection to the NFL so that 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 to me is 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 the ultimate is a conflict of interest that to me does not make the league look good that does not make the league look good and you're the NFL I know you want to get rid of this stuff and you want to you hate talking about this stuff you hate dealing with this stuff but the reality is you have to it's in your face and you know why it's in your face? Because the guy, the owner's put out there, their commissioner, he messed up. Maybe he's doing a little favor for his boy, Steve Pashadi. Steve Paschati, maybe he's doing a favor for his boy. You know, let me let me do this favor for you, man. And and you know, let you know, take care of me. Steve, you know, Roger, take care of me in this situation. And and maybe he took he, he did a favor for his boy, and then doing a favor for his boy, it may have cost him his job. We'll see. We'll see, but I don't think the public really took to that press conference too. I really don't. I want to switch gears now. I want to go to boxing. Floyd Mayweather Jr., and, and you know, uh, I, I guess it's ironic on some level I'm talking about domestic violence and all the things that happened w- with uh, Ray Rice in the NFL. But Floyd Mayweather last week in Las Vegas, he, he was dominant. He was the Floyd Mayweather that we all know and love hit and don't get hit. He got a little hit a little more than he usually does. Uh, you know, he had a bloody lip. His nose was a little bloody as well. But Floyd Mayweather did what Floyd Mayweather has done many, many times. A dominant performance. 47 times he's done it, and he did it again last Saturday night. He boxed. He he, he did what he didn't do in the first fight. In the first fight, he was against the ropes, and, and Maidana was swinging wildly at him. And, 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 and Maidana, you know, was really controlling the early rounds, and then Floyd picked it up moving forward. And, and he won the fight. He took the fight. Floyd definitely won the first fight. I don't care what anybody says. Most people believe Floyd won that first fight. But the second fight was, was, was a dominant performance by Mayweather. Typical Mayweather. You know, he just... He, he did what he does. And the thing is, you know, Maidana had one moment in that fight. That was the end of the third round where the bell was ringing and he hit Floyd, like, just after the bell. Floyd was a little stunned. You see him hold on to the rope a little bit and go back to the corner. Fortunately enough for Floyd... The, the the round was over, and you know he was able to get that minute to get that rest, get his co- get the cobwebs out of his head, and and head back on out there. But the bottom line is Mayweather dominated, forty seven and zero. Mayweather just a, a just a dominant performance. It was typical Floyd. Here's the thing: the last fight against Maidana, you when when the score when the fight was over, you were saying to yourself, well this is not as obvious as Floyd's fights usually are. Floyd's fights are pretty obvious all the time. By time, you know, the, the once, you know, the, the end of the twelfth round. Once you hear the bell for the end of the twelfth round, guess what? You at that point have an idea who won. You at that point said and, and believed that Floyd Mayweather won. I mean, at that point, you you know Floyd Mayweather has won the fight. But the first fight against Maidana, you weren't thinking that. No, you weren't. You were thinking there was the possibility. I thought Floyd won the first fight and I felt that way uh when the bell when the bell rang at the end of the twelfth round. But I also felt that Maidana was a very competitive fight and I also thought there was a possibility that there were some rounds in there where you could have easily given it to Maidana. But anyway, that second fight last Saturday, it really wasn't you knew by the, that when the bell rang at the end of the twelfth that Floyd unanimous dis- decision beat Marcos Maidana. Here's the thing now. And I know the fight did 925, 925,000 buys. That's, that's the report, 925,000 buys. That's up from 900,000 buys in the last fight. Close to a million, not a million, but close to it. But, you know, that's under a million. And you, if you're Floyd, you like to get in that million range. But at the same time, no one is doing those type of pay-per-view numbers. No one. No, it's not even close. UFC—they're not doing those type of pay-per-view numbers. No one's doing it. So Floyd, big-time pay-per-view numbers, and the bottom line is this: and, and and it wasn't to me, there wasn't that much buzz for this fight as you've seen in other Mayweather fights. It just wasn't that much, much of a buzz. It, it just doesn't—you just didn't feel it. I don't know, but I think the time has come, and you know, I, I think the public—Floyd's running out of opponents, and, and I mean, you know. Keith Thurman, a guy up and coming welterweight, you know you got Amir Khan out there, but how is anybody believing that Amir Khan could beat Floyd Mayweather? I mean, you got Keith Thurman out there, who who a lot of people believe could give Mayweather some trouble. I mean, uh, but uh, you know what? Even with all that being said, the reality is we want to see Mayweather Pacquiao, and you know whether we'll see it, I don't know. Floyd did say at the end of the fight he was open to it, but he also said this. He also said this, well, the fight has to be on Showtime. Well, we all know that Manny Pacquiao is with HBO. Floyd Mayweather also said the fight has to be promoted by Mayweather Promotions. Well, we also know that Manny Pacquiao is with Bob Arum and Top Rank. So we know these things. And and so when you hear Mayweather say that, he's saying this fight's not going to happen. He's basically saying it in so many words. I know the words he's saying that, you know, I'm open to this, I'm open to that. But in so many words, he's saying pretty much that he's not going to fight Manny Pacquiao. Maybe CBS and HBO, Time Warner. Maybe they know Greenberg, Steven Espinosa. Maybe, maybe Ken Hirschman, I should say, and Steven Espinosa. Espinosa from Showtime, Hirschman from HBO. Maybe these guys, CBS which own Showtime, maybe Time Warner, again, which owns J.P.O. Maybe they could come together and figure this one out. They did it for Tyson and Lennox Lewis. That was a big fight. They can do it for this one. That's the fight that the public wants to see. They don't want to see Pacquiao, Chris Algieri. They don't want to see Mayweather, Maidana, too, but 925000 still, a lot of pay-per-view buys. But the bottom line is I think the public – and it's never too late. I don't think it's too late. I think the fight can still do record numbers. I think there's still a big time public demand for this fight. I just think a lot of people don't believe it's ever going to happen. And I'd be shocked if it happens. Not. I, I mean, I'd be shocked. I want it to happen. I, I'm. I, I got my fingers crossed that it may happen. But I doubt it. Floyd Mayweather said this, and then said this. He said, "Again, I'm open." To, a, Mayweather, uh, to a, a Manny Pacquiao fight That's what he said so That means okay you got a little excited Oh maybe it could happen Then he said well the fight Has to be promoted by Mayweather Promotions has to be on Showtime Well as we said HBO in top rank Might have something to say about that So that pretty much That pretty much says It might not happen And And that to me Obviously would be a disappointment because those are, you know, two of the top fighters in the in this era of boxing, and, and these guys, you know, it, it would still sell. It would still sell. I mean, we almost had it. What, 2010? I mean, we were close, and it just didn't come to fruition. You know, you talk about, you know, blood tests and, you know, not taking blood close to the fight and this that what have you and you know, who to believe? Who knows? But the negotiations didn't work itself out. But I, 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 I wanna see it. But also I'm I'm talking about Floyd Mayweather and, and I'm just talking about player conduct and I'm taking this stance and I'm talking about it from this angle. Here's the bottom line and, and, and this is me personally. I, I don't go to sports for role models. I I, I don't go to sports uh for social change. I, I don't go to sports for those things for those things, excuse me. I go to sports to be entertained. Um I know I'm flawed as a person. And I know a lot of people, everybody I deal with in life is flawed. Because if you're human, you're flawed. And so I I don't expect Adrian Peterson. I don't hold him to a different standard. I don't hold Floyd Mayweather to a different standard because because he's in the public eye. I don't hold Greg Hardy to a different standard. I don't hold these guys to a different standard, to a higher standard, because they're human. They're flawed. Only difference is, and it's a big difference. They have a, a, a marketable skill that allows them to make a boatload of money and allows them to have a level of prestige. It allows them that. But they're not perfect. But they they're they're put their pants on the same way we do. Their pants might cost more, but they put them on the same way we do. Their shirt might cost more, but they put the shirt on the same way we do. Their bodies might be a little better, might look a little better than ours, but it's still a body. It's just a body. And and uh, so bottom line is this: don't go to sports. I don't believe in going to sports for social change. I, I don't I don't look to sports to to you know be role models. I don't look to sports for that because I'm looking in the wrong place. I'm looking in the wrong place guys are flawed I mean Floyd Mayweather is flawed so am I Adrian Peterson is flawed so am I all these guys are flawed but so am I and so are you so again don't think that these people these athletes don't let them set the the table for you if you will don't let them be what you look to because they'll let you down every time Man will let you down every time. That's just the reality of life. You don't go to athletes. They're, 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 they're regular people. Again, they just have a very marketable skill that can get them a bunch and a boatload of money. How about last night in the NFL? The Atlanta Falcons and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You want to talk about uh, <laughs> that was just one. That was like a homecoming game. That was like. Um, you know, somebody's scheduling Temple for their homecoming game. Temple's not as bad as they used to be. I'm a Temple alum, so maybe I shouldn't have said that. I take that back to you, to you, pride, baby. But anyway, anyway, it's like they, they, they scheduled Howard. It's like Rutgers scheduling Howard. It's like, you know, teams scheduling cream puffs on homecoming. That was the homecoming game we saw last night in Atlanta. That was homecoming. I mean that was that was. Have you seen a game like that? I mean that that's that the most more most craziest games I've seen in a long while. It was fifty six to nothing at one point. Fifty six to nothing. I mean, you want to talk about a a, a game that's not even close. Fifty six to nothing at one point. Fifty six to nothing. And, and here's the thing about the Atlanta Falcons. They're going to put up points. And it almost makes that performance by the Cincinnati Bengals against that offense look even better. I mean, but this offense, Matty Ice, he's going to put up points. He's going to put up points. You know, that wide receiver core, Julio Jones. You know, Devin Hester is in the mix now, and he's doing his thing on, on punt returns and doing his thing out of the backfield. Also, catching some pass, caught one pass. But, you know, you got Julio Jones doing his thing. You know, Roddy White, nothing last night. But you, you got these guys, the Atlanta Falcons, who are a very prolific offense, who can put up points. and They, they put up a lot of points last month, the first week against the Saints, and they put up a lot of points last night against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, it's a mercy rule. You know, when that game should have been called. We They should have just called the game. I mean, somebody from New York, the league office, Roger Goodell, maybe could have came out of hiding yesterday came out of hiding today, but maybe he should go back into hiding after what he did today. But anyway, Ryder Goodell should sort have of came out of hiding and, and, and said something and did something to stopped this game. I mean, this was this was bad. And you look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers now, 0-3 football team and, and their quarterback, um, McCown. You know, you brought him in after – I mean, he had a big season. He definitely had a big season for the Chicago Bears as a backup. But Josh McCown has been a journeyman in this, in this league. And also – Josh McCown was very fortunate to have the services of Alshon Jeffries, the services of Brandon Marshall, the services of Matt Forte last season. This season has been, so far, he's off to a bad start. He only threw one interception last year. He's got four already. So if maybe, in a lot of ways, he, he, he is what we thought he is. He is what we thought he is. Last season, I mean, in eight games, 13 touchdowns, only one interception. Darn near perfect. and like Nick Foles-like. And now, and, and granted, big-time offense in Chicago, big-time receivers. You can throw that football up and Brandon Marshall will get it and Alshon Jeffries will get it. And now, I mean, you look at the year that he had, he only played eight games. Well, you look at in 2004, he played 14 games for the Cardinals and only threw eleven touchdowns, ten picks. Well, in eight games with the Chicago Bears, he threw thirteen touchdowns and only one pick. So he is who we thought he is. You know they are what we thought they are. He is who we thought he is. And 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 this guy's struggling. The Buccaneers as a team are struggling. Oh three. And last night that was that was bad. That 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 was that was bad. I, I, I you know that was just one of those games. It's just just one of those days, as Monica likes to say. That was just one of them days. One of them days that a team goes through, and and you know, competitive against Carolina, a game they could have won. No Cam Newton, but that was a game they could have won. A game, a uh, very competitive against St. Louis. Uh, we don't know how good St. Louis is, but a game they easily could have won. But yesterday, it just really, really. Fell apart and for Tampa Bay. I mean, you know, you got the Evans who, who got who trying to get up, couldn't get up, and the, they had the ten second runoff, and that was the game against the St. Louis Rams. And you know, against Carolina, they were in it as well. But again, last night against Atlanta, that was that that was that was that was awful. And this is the team, Tampa Bay, moving forward. You know, at Pittsburgh, at New Orleans, and then Baltimore at home. Well, they could be at easily 1-5, if not 0-6, six, after six weeks of the season. So, you know, and a lot of people are talking about Tampa as a team that could surprise people. But, you know, you, you, McCown is who he is. And, and this is a team that, you know, we, we look at Tampa, and this is a team that, you know, again, a lot of people thought maybe could do some damage. A lot of people thought, Maybe could do some things. Maybe, maybe, and 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 they didn't. They have not been, and, and they may not when it's all said and done. I mean, Lobby Smith, you know, a, a, a big time, you know, a, a guy who's had success in the National Football League, had success in the National Football League. But you know, you wonder if this gets bad for Tampa Bay. You wonder. If Lovie Smith can survive another year, Tampa needs a quarterback. They need a quarterback. And and Mike Lennon, maybe or maybe not the answer. Um, Josh McCown, I think it's safe to say, and it's only three games, and he could turn it around. But the reality is he's a journeyman. He's a journeyman quarterback. So what do you really expect out of a journeyman? And, and I, hey, you're always happy to see a guy get paid two years, 10 million. You're always happy to see a guy get paid. And he got paid for the work he did in Chicago. He got paid for that. And and he, like I said, he put in some work. He was solid. He was solid for the Bears last season. A lot of people thought he should have kept the job when Jay Cutler was healthy. A lot of people thought that. A lot of people thought that that still should have been his job. He should have been the one uh, you know, running the ship for the Chicago Bears. That should have been his team moving forward. But not moving forward, but at least last season. But, you know, the reality is, you know, he is who he thought he is. He was who we thought he was. And let's go to Philadelphia. You got Philadelphia and the Washington Redskins, the Deshaun Jackson Bowl, Deshaun Jackson making his return to Philadelphia. He is questionable with uh the shoulder injury, so we're not sure if he wants to play. He says he doesn't want to miss this game for nothing. So we'll see if he, he gets himself out there. But Obviously, the Philadelphia Eagles, 2 and two comeback performances against the Colts, against the uh, Jaguars, down 17 nothing to the Jaguars, down 20-6 to to the Colts. They erased those deficits, and they came back and ultimately won the game in the end. And, you know, against Jacksonville, it turned out to be, you know, 34 big points in the second half. But, you know, against the Colts, and and this is the team, here's, I look at the Philadelphia Eagles, obviously, the offense is going to move. It, it, obviously, you're going to get points from Philadelphia. And... The thing is, the question with the Eagles becomes their defense. That was the question last season, and that's going to be the question this season. The defense, and to the defense's credit, the Colts were able to move the ball and, and you know able to do some things on them, especially on the run game with uh, uh, with um, Ahmad Bradshaw, and and you know him doing his thing on the on the ground for the Indianapolis Colts. But the bottom line is Philadelphia, and a lot of people are talking the Eagles. A lot of people. Have you know are, are really speaking highly of this Philadelphia team? Really speaking highly of Chip Kelly, you know, and uh, you know how you know, I'm saying he's revolutionizing the game, if you will. But the, here's the reality of this thing. of this thing. We know, and in the Super Bowl, if the Super Bowl proved nothing, it proved this. If it didn't prove anything, it proved this. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, defense still and will forever win championships. Still. And will forever win championships. And the Seahawks proved that last season. And at the end of the day, you got to become, you got to be able to defend. You got to be able to stop people. And so we'll see if the Philadelphia Eagles can do that moving forward. And if they can do that, maybe, just maybe, a Super Bowl could be in their future. Maybe. I picked the Saints, so we'll see what happens. We're going to bring in a guy now, speaking of the Saints, a guy who played for the Saints for many years, a guy who has a, had a Hall of Fame career. Let's bring him in now, Hall of Famer Willie Ruff. Willie.
2: How's it going? I'm in New Orleans right now.
0: How are you? Good. Let me ask you this. At Saints practice today. This is an 0-2 yes. football team. This is a team that's not yes. stopping anyone. This is a team that's struggling. What did you see from that football team in practice today?
2: You know, they looked like they were focused. I mean, the guys were, you know, guys still look like they were you know, in a good spirit, and um, you know, I wanted to see, I'm you know, a little upset that Mark Ingram's hurt, but they look like they, they, they look like they still have a positive attitude, and they're not really worried about it. I think they can start off this week by hopefully getting the win and turning it around. And I mean, they just seem like they're positive. I mean, they've been through the storm. I mean, the coach has been here since 2006, so I don't think they're really rattled by it, But this is the NFL, and teams get better. You saw Atlanta last night, you know, Jake Matthews, and obviously the, the addition of Devin Hester and some of those other guys, and, you know, they're a they're, they're confident football team. So it's the NFL. When you've been at the top of the food chains, you know, teams go going to
0: So you think the Saints will be just fine when it's all said and done?
2: I think they'll be just fine. I mean, I'm, you know, I didn't think that they would be on, too, but they started two games on the road. I do say – I will say this. The fact that they're, they're, they're not to the meat of that schedule. If you put up that schedule, you know, it's going to get tough on them. So, uh, you know, things are going to get a little tougher. So, uh, you know, it's, it, as, as it goes. So they need to go ahead the next few weeks and get, get some wins
0: because uh, the, the schedule is going to get a lot tougher. And to your point, in October, they got a, a well, six game, you could say seven, seven game stretch. You could say even eight. But you got the Packers, the Panthers. <laughs> You got the 49ers, the Bengals, the Ravens, the Steelers, the Panthers again, and the Bears, and they got the Falcons one more time. So they 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 got a big stretch coming up, like you said, and and they got to get some wins now because the schedule does not get easy. Did you see the Roger Goodell press conference today?
2: I saw a little bit of the press conference, but I I've been going, I've been signing a little bit, so I got to see about twenty minutes of it. Okay. A- any thoughts on what you saw? Uh. You know, I I I feel like you know he's he's got to he's got to fix everything and, and and get it together and uh you know I mean everything everything from here forward needs to be needs to be um, drawn in the sand and we need to have, have clarity on, on on the suspensions and whatever they're gonna do and the discipline disciplinary and uh you know he you know this dialog can't happen again.
0: Yeah, for sure. And and so you believe he'll make it? You think he'll he'll make it through? This storm, uh, and still be the commission. No,
2: I mean, I mean, what's going to do to him? I mean, this is the president. You can't impeach him. I mean, the, the owners, as long as the owners have his back, I mean, he, you can't. What are you going to do to him? For Sure, but I think the owners, thinking, the owners, the owners have the owners have his back. So what, what, you really can't do anything
0: right now. I, I believe he should take a a, a a leave of absence at this point, just because right now. Why would he,
2: talk? Why would he do that?
0: Why would he take a leave of absence right he, now? Because they can't really.
2: I mean, if the owner still has his back, and they can't, if you can't prove that he, if you can't prove that he saw that tape, then then you really can't. And and if
0: you can't prove that he didn't get access to that tape, then then you really can't do anything. What can you do to him? Well, he should be then. He should be fired for not being able to get that tape.
2: I mean, if he was saying he
0: wasn't trying to get the tape, though, Paul. I mean, the commissioner said that he.
2: you know, he didn't think he could get the take He started with a police investigation. And, he, and they, they were saying that they sent it over there. Well, you got to be able to prove that. So to, to get well, the commissioner out, you have to prove that. And you know that the NFL plays by basically their own set of rules. So it's not like it's uh, going to be a jury. You can, you can you can put pressure. The only people that can put pressure, maybe Congress other than that, what, I mean, where do you, what can you do to the NFL? They, if the only one in there, he's not going anywhere.
0: No, for sure. But TMZ got it. The NFL should get it, and they should find a way to get it. And I, I just think it's inexcusable. I just think he should step away, you know, because of the, it's it's too much stuff going on. It's hot right now. And I think he should step away at this point and maybe come back when this dies down a little bit.
2: Let it's me ask you Do you
0: think he's going
2: to he take a chance to step away from a job where he's just signed a 5 year extension and he made $44 million last
0: year? I'm <laughs> saying step away well, that's with not support. Happen. Well, I'm saying I'm saying step away, not necessarily resign, but take a leave of absence, almost like what's happening with Peterson and, and Greg Hardy. You know, those guys still get their paychecks and whatnot, but he takes a step away for now, just because the block is really hot right now, and and you know, so he's got to let this okay, thing go down. Okay, well, Paul, let's talk about the fact that these players are taking a leave of absence, from of and, and they're getting paid.
2: I mean, uh, for you know, sure, Agent Peterson and Greg Hardy. I mean, I mean, uh, if if you if you if you if gonna discipline me and tell me I can't play, but you are gonna give me a paycheck, well, I'm still getting paid. So what am I worried about? Uh, you know, they, right. I mean, uh, Hardy still Hardy still on a one year deal. I mean, Agent Peterson's still gonna gonna be gonna be coming back on I me. Mean, so if I'm still getting a paycheck, I'm not really I'm still getting paid. What what you know?
0: What what, what are y'all affecting? But here's the thing. You're a football player. You know this. Football players like to play football, love to play football. So you're not taking away the paycheck, and football players but players you're taking away them, what they do. They love,
2: football players love to get them $500,000, checks every Tuesday, too.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I play football,
2: too, yeah. And in and, and of them checks. There ain't no first contract checks where you're making $500,000 a year. You're making $500,000, seven uh, $700,000 a week. So, I mean, yeah, we love to play
0: football we love to get paid. I mean, at the end of the day, it is all about getting paid. But, you know, I, I'm sure Adrian Peterson would love to be out there. I'm sure Greg Hardy would love to be out there. And, and I'm sure a lot of these guys love to be out Jonathan Dwyer as well, they would love to be out there. But at the end of the day, the the, the climate now is where, you know, even if you get accused and, and charged without even a trial, if you get charged at this point, you're going to have to step away. I mean, that's just the way it is right now. I don't think it's a good thing. I, to me, I think it's a byproduct of a, a society now that is, so hypocritical. I mean, we're, we're so hypercritical. We're, we're, we're just so quick to be so judgmental against uh, you know, athletes and things of that nature, because the reality is athletes are no different. Football mirrors society. These guys are no different than anybody else. You you guys just had a special skill, a special talent, a very special skill, marketable talent. But to me, I, I, I just look at it, and to me, for us to be so critical and for as a society, I think, and, and for us to want to just get rid of these guys and not give guys second chances. To me, I mean, I have a problem with that. I really do. I, I think it's unfair. But it is what it is. It's it's it's, it's a corporation. The NFL is a big business. and you <laughs> know, you gotta, you gotta... It
2: is unfair. The, the, domestic violence
0: is one of the biggest
2: issues dealing with women. If you saw, they said the, the emergency room business and stuff about women. I think with, with the lady I heard, that, that's the head of that group and said that's one of the number one reasons women go to the mercy room. So this is a problem. Big, it's way bigger than football. You know all these sure. you know husbands being hurting their wives or girlfriends or uh, trying to harm them. I mean this is a big I mean a big thing, big issue. But I think people do deserve a second chance, and uh, and I think that uh, you know these guys should get a second chance. But uh, I think it should be dealt with. Uh, I think this this should be. Is is st- stronger punishment or more than the drug policy, which they're For sure. which they're changing now. And I think that that, that was a positive move to change that, because this I For think sure. is more more bigger issue than 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 drugs, because we're talking about uh, the a woman, the person you with, or hurting someone. And I heard somebody else make a great point, Paul, that you have to understand a lot of these athletes that make it to the NFL have been star star athletes since they were in middle school or wherever they lived and played. So they've been able to get away with stuff most of their lives so they've never been held accountable for their actions right. that did get to the NFL. These guys have been able to right. get away with stuff when they're when in their youth so they've never been held accountable. So, you know, they have to understand they aren't in NFL, and you're held accountable for your actions. But when you let these kids grow up and not, not be accountable for anything, then you develop you develop to have the problem. And that's why I applaud apply LeBron James so much for the way he's carried himself and, and turned himself off the court, uh well, all the distractions around him, and he's, uh, he's done a great job of doing that.
0: We're talking to Hall of Famer Willie Rofe. Willie, let me ask you this. We'll get you out on this. You saw the pictures, Adrian Peterson. You're a father. You have kids. In your opinion, just looking at the pictures and looking at what you saw, what was your initial reaction?
2: I mean, after you, we talked about that and I hadn't seen the pictures, I I couldn't believe that. I mean, I just, I just right. couldn't believe that. You know, I mean, and, the, and the, this is this another thing about it. Obviously, Agent Peterson has these different kids with, and they're living with their moms. So, like, I'm a For son sure. and a daughter. I'm going to pick up now. I don't really, you know, I will. I've I never really smacked my kids. You know, I feel like I could, but I'm not there every day. If you're going to be a parent, you can't be a part-time parent. And I don't think Agent with these kids all the time. So I think it should be the parent that's with them discipline them more than he is. So he's getting with the sure. kids, he's not with him all the time. Obviously they're gonna have some some animosity toward their dad because they don't see him all the time and you have to deal with that when you have kids, multiple kids by different women and they know it and you're not with these kids and you probably have the influence from the moms saying stuff about Adrian or whatever, but I just don't feel like you should be smacking those kids like that if you're not in that household with those kids on an everyday basis. Now it's different if you're there every day, but if you're there part time you're not even seeing the kid all the time, you
0: do you shouldn't be smagging any kid like that. For sure. And and the bottom line is this, I mean, I got kids of my own, I got a four year old. There's no way I'm giving a four year old a switch. There's no way I'm giving a four year old a belt. I'm just not gonna do it. And it doesn't it doesn't make sense. The skin is not tough enough. It just doesn't make sense for me to do something like that. And, and, you know, I I think at the end of the day, Adrian Peterson, his biggest issue is, I think common sense would tell you you don't do that. But I think at the same time, this man needs some help. Maybe it's that he has anger issues, or maybe he just needs help on how to be a parent. And it's not wrong with spanking your kids, in my opinion. And Paul, he did this after his kid got killed by the boyfriend of of
2: one of of the girls he was dating. I mean, how the hell can you do this? To a kid that young, and after you've lost a child, he lost a child last year. So we got to add
0: that to it. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. At the end of the day, it doesn't. And I mean, at the end of the day, also, he is afforded due process, and we shall see what happens and how this thing plays out. Willie, pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck. Enjoy New Orleans. You going to the game on Sunday? I'm going to the game early, and I'm leaving. I would like to say this. Those you know, as soon as those Dirty
2: Birds start winning a little bit, I got my cousins calling, trying to bet and telling me how the, the Atlanta's gonna come in and beat the Saints in December and this and that. See them Dirty Birds. As soon as they start winning, Atlanta, everybody goes talking and talking all this junk. They haven't won no Super Bowls, so I don't know what they got to talk about.
0: <laughs> they can talk a lot after last night, but it is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But that, that they can talk a lot. <laughs> all right, but well, <laughs> All right. Take care. Thank you. All right, now. All right, Willie Rove, Hall of Famer. You can listen to this show and other great shows. Blog, talkradio.comslash where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at again for, for everybody here, go for it. We hope you have a great weekend. See you later. Take care. Bye.